0: People who are always really cool, they don't think, how do I maximize this? They never think about it, right? (laughs) All the the guys that were cool in elementary school, high school, they're not like, how do I maximize my style? They're not thinking about that at all. So I was like, what was the turning point for Aaron Marino? Something must have, you know, gone on when he was younger where he became like the butterfly out of the cocoon. I'm fine with casual. Look, man, I just, this is my hair after waking up. I knew that I couldn't even compete with the Aaron Marino hair, so I didn't even try all right
1: let's roll all right and welcome (laughs) back to the alpha m podcast today i've got a a podcast veteran um he's so much more than that though i i got to know jordan harbinger years ago um through another business that you had um i mean we have we go way back i mean how many way back i've i've known you like when i was first you know getting started you had me on uh talking about like style back in the day and you had me on a few more times and then you're like yo this guy, this guy is, is worthless. Your, your, your guests <laughs> that you have on this podcast now are literally the who's who of super interesting, successful people. All right, let me back up a little Thank bit. you. You're an incredibly successful podcaster. And the thing that I am so inspired by is that you had something else going on. It didn't go so well. You had, had mm-hmm. to end sit, your situation and you literally started from zero after being you know, very successful. And um, right. and and I say zero. I mean, you were starting over. I should say, and you quickly figured it out, and not only figured it out, you 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 were thriving um, as as a as a podcaster, as a businessman. Um, you have such an interesting story. You're a super smart guy, and um, you've been kidnapped twice, which I Lay think is amazing. Um, you survived it because you have incredible people skills, and you're a really good communicator. Um, the guests <laughs> that you have on your podcast are literally just. Like I said, the top, top of the top. I mean, you had Kobe Bryant, you had, you know, um, recently you had uh, Russell Brandt on or what, mm-hmm. what is his name? Russell Brandt.
0: Russell Brand. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. And so anyway, I always do that
0: too. I say, is it brand or brand? Or and brand. it's brand. Yeah. Okay. Like cereal and then, brand. You know,
1: so, I mean, you have ev- like just amazing people, amazing guests, your interview style and, and technique is, is incredible. And so today, I'm just happy that you're here talking to me. And 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 I'm definitely not not up to the par snuff of, of a lot of your other guests, but I appreciate you being here and hanging with me for a little bit, Jordan. Good to hey, see thanks you. Thanks for
0: having me on, man. Yeah, it's good to see you. Look, I like having conversations of all kinds. Like you said, I've had Kobe Bryant and Russell Brand, but I recently, a couple of weeks ago, I had a guy on who was in prison for a while for stealing $18 million worth of diamonds. So it runs the gamut, you know, like you look, you're you're a force in your own right. you were on Shark Tank, what, twice now or, or yeah, maybe man. three times? I don't know. That's yeah, twice. they wouldn't have me back
1: a third time. I tried to get on, though, a third time oh, with, you did with my skincare company. Yeah, I sent them an email I'm like, hey, this is what we need. And, and I and they're like, yeah, uh, what's the story? What's the hook that you're coming mm-hmm. back? And, um, and so I had my, my two business partners send in like a a tape and it was so cringy and bad. They didn't end up, (laughs) they ended up passing on us, but that's all right. So, so something else I want to talk real quick about your, the mission of your podcast. Um, you say, I believe it's something like, you know, your mission is to become a more informed, better, uh, critical thinker. Yes. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, it is. Explain that. What the hell does that mean? That all like already that went over my head.
0: Yeah, you know what I want. What I want to do is educate people to become better informed, more critical thinkers. And the reason for that is: look at the division we have in the country. Look at the way that people get caught up in scams or do like multi-level marketing stuff or buy gurus. You've, you're on YouTube. You've seen those guru ads that are like they're basically like these 1980s real estate guy ads, except for they're they're modern. So 18 year old it
1: It's worse than that now. It's, it's oh, worse. It, it, it is horrible it's like
0: i'm 18 years old i read 17 books a week i have three lamborghinis and i decided to book a flight to la this weekend with my seven girlfriends you know why forex trading give me all your money and people are like (laughs) here you go and i'm like what is happening and you know you think like what idiots fall for this and the answer is is a a lot of people and i'll get an email from like a 40 year old guy who's like i fell for this scam and i look at it and go how did you fall for this and it's a lack of critical thinking you know yes it's magical thinking and wishful thinking and all that but it's a lack of critical thinking and that comes down to our politics. It comes down to business. It, it it affects every area of your life, and you see people dropping out of school to do a business. And I'm cool with that if that's what needs to happen. You know, I don't. Did you? By the way, did you? You went to college and graduated, or did you not did. bother with that? No, you I did. did. I did. So, I did. So so now people are dropping out. And I got nothing against that. If you're running a Aaron Marino style, if you're running Alpha M or or uh, Alpha-N, I guess, or O-P-Q. You gotta <laughs> drop out and scale it, I get it. But now you get people dropping out because they're like, eh, I'm just gonna trade Bitcoin online. And I'm like, do you even know how to look at anything? Do you even know how to buy Bitcoin? You know, th- there's all this, this happening that is the result of a lack of critical thinking and it affects every area of our life. And I found that a lot of these online influencers, they'll be like, I'm gonna be right-wing or I'm gonna be left-wing. And when you tell people what to do, you're only going to get this sliver of people, it might be a giant sliver of people, that already agree with you or that want to agree with you. But if you teach people how to think better, then you can teach people how to make their own decisions. And that makes, not to get all too pie in the sky about it, but it makes our democracy stronger, it makes our country stronger, it makes for better consumers, it makes for people who are better in the workplace, it makes for better wives, husbands, things like that. So... The mission is wider than just being like the Democrats or like ah oh, Trump, you know, like if you don't do that and you teach people critical thinking, they will come to more or less rational conclusions. Even if we disagree, at least they have rationale behind what they are doing, what they're voting for, what kind of businesses they're starting. And also you find that if you make people think well and and have good mental models and are creative and things like that they don't resort to scams because they don't need to they can run a successful business because they've built confidence they have the ability to create something that's meaningful and i'm sure you've seen this before too like being in the online space especially with these young guys um and it's not just guys but a lot of young guys they want to be like you right they want to do uh, the manscaped or the videos or they want to do the hair videos or the, the suit videos or the, just the stuff that you do that's fun and and looks cool and th- they know it's a long road but they don't have the confidence that they're going to last through to get to success so they resort to scams and easy crap shortcuts that just end up being like a net negative for them and a negative for everyone involved. And I'm like, you know, the way to solve this is not to be like, don't scam people. The way to solve this is to give people tools that they can use to become smarter, better, more critical thinkers, whatever it is, sort of see the matrix. Then they can run a successful business. Then they can be a good father to kids. You know, so this sort of has a ripple effect that goes throughout generations. And 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 then also, I like a good story. You know, I have a mafia enforcer on or saw a jewel thief. I don't know how much he's like (laughs) helping us become a better critical thinker, but I'm like, here's some entertainment, right? You got to throw a little bit of, got to put marshmallows in the lucky charms here and there.
1: So what's your superpower? If you had one, Mm. I, I know that, you know, what, what would you consider to be like that thing that you've got that, that sets you apart and has made you and built you into the success that you are?
0: Yeah. Good question. I think it evolves, you know, before it was, Oh, I've got good communication skills and, now i wonder if that's still the case i mean I, i'd like to think i still have good communication skills but is that the superpower i'm not sure i think i'm skeptical and i think about things that i read and i read a lot but i'm not cynical right and you see the difference in there's a lot of people online or in the news and they might be really smart but they might be really cynical and negative i'm still young enough and optimistic enough i'm 40 now but uh, and, you know i'm getting i'm not getting any younger but i am getting more optimistic <laughs> um, and I see that there is a big difference between taking something at face value, and and then all versus just looking at something and going everything is is garbage, everything is in the in the in the shitter. And you see older folks that are like, this country's going to hell in a handbasket, or like all these guys are scammers. I try and look at everything with a critical eye, but not criticize everything. And I think that that it's can become a superpower. It's very hard to do. Yeah, it's it rec-
1: really hard to do.
0: It requires you to actually constantly be swimming upstream because it's really easy to look at news media and go, wow, everything's a scam, my vote doesn't count. That was something we heard last month, right? My vote doesn't count, why bother? And you hear that because people feel like they have no power. And now I'm like, wait a minute. If, you know, the real power that we have is the ability to think freely. And a lot of people are kind of willfully surrendering that by saying eh, all the news is fake I'm just going to play Xbox. Not that there's anything wrong with Xbox, but you don't want to sort of surrender your critical thinking skills or or your you know surrender your your brain cells just because you think there's no good information out there. It's it's sort of this weird paradox now where guys like you and I are creating information but it's in a sea of crap, you know, on YouTube or in my case in podcasting. It's in a sea of crap, so you get people that go this is all junk. And it's like no, you really do have to keep doing the work to find good sources and information with people you trust. You know, if I'm looking at buying a shaver or some clothes, I will Google like Aaron Marino leather jacket recommendation. And sometimes something comes up and sometimes something doesn't, but I know that you're not going to go, here's a leather jacket that I get paid a lot to sell and I've never actually worn it. And it's probably a piece of crap. I know that you probably either have it. Uh, and if it was bad, you wouldn't, have included it in the roundup and I try to do the same thing with books, documentaries. It's like, look, trust is the only thing that we have right now. It's the top currency. So I don't do anything to mess with it and I do everything I can to build it. And if we can do that for our audiences, then I think we're doing them a huge service, you know, over time, especially.
1: Yeah. You just mentioned one of my, uh, my, my favorite things is documentaries. What, uh, what good documentary have you watched recently?
0: Uh, recently I saw something that is just out this month. This is this is maybe too nerdy but whatever I'm going to do it anyway. It's documentaries, yeah. they can't be too nerdy. So all... <laughs> So you know about the dictator of North Korea, right? Kim Jong-un. You've heard yep. of that guy? Yep. Okay. So he had a brother and the brother was murdered in an airport in Malaysia like 2 years ago. I don't know if you heard about this, but these two women went up to him and they sprayed him in the face with something and then they rubbed it in his face as a prank and then they ran away. Well, he died of sarin nerve poisoning, and that was what they had sprayed on his face. So they thought, oh my gosh, it's an assassination. And they arrested these girls. One was from, I think, Malaysia, the other one was from uh, Vietnam. Turns out North Korean intelligence agencies had tricked them into making all these like really lame prank videos where they would go and rub water on people's faces Or sticky lotion on people's faces as a surprise prank well they were doing it to dozens of people and then they said go do it to that guy over there except for the lotion they gave them was this like nerve super deadly nerve agent so they they accidentally or inadvertently i should say assassinated kim jong-un's brother and who he had killed probably because he didn't want him to be a challenge to power. And they talk about like how they planned it, who these girls are, how they got recruited, what happened to them, you know, did they know, did they not know, and they go through all the evidence and it was pretty damn fascinating because this is a political assassination in public done by people that didn't know what was going on. I mean, that's, that's some, that's some 007 type of, or almost like inverse 007, right? They had no idea what they were doing and they were totally incompetent.
1: Speaking of not knowing what you're doing, you were an attorney. Right. This is how yes. you got started.
0: Okay. That's so right. <laughs> tell,
1: how, how what is what is the Jordan evolution? You started as a Wall Street attorney. You speak five languages. You've been kidnapped twice. Tell us a little bit about your story. And this was all prior to the other business that you started, correct?
0: It, it, it was. Yeah. So I was a Wall Street attorney. So you're 40 for years old. I think years.
1: that I think that's something that I, I think a lot of people are a little bit shocked of. You look very young. And right, so, thanks. you know, the fact that, you know, and, and myself and we're very similar in age. The the fact is though that before the internet we had both of us had lives and careers and businesses and and <laughs> yeah. and and you know a life and so what did you do opposed- before the
0: internet exactly <laughs> what me yeah oh, what did fitness- you do I, I a, don't even know oh, I, had a,
1: I had a failing fitness center <laughs> oh you did I could I could yeah. see
0: you being a fitness guy oh yeah, totally yeah.
1: that was my that was my only dream but uh but yeah so tell a little bit about your story and your evolution into the online space.
0: When I went to law school, I thought, okay, great. You know, I can work harder than a lot of these people because in high school, I didn't do that hard of of work, right? Nobody did, right? It was kind of like show up to the geometry test, figure out what it was going to be on the test 15 minutes beforehand, do the test, get a B or a B plus, no problem. But then when I got to college, everybody was smart same thing with law school so i realized all right i got to limit my drinking to three nights a week from seven or whatever everyone was doing and you know make sure that i'm studying and doing the work so i outworked everyone but when i got to wall street everyone was very smart and everybody was a hard worker so i realized my competitive advantage was gone and after talking with some of the partners i found that the biggest strength that people were lacking as they got older and moved towards partner in the law firm was they were bad at networking and bringing in business, and so I thought to myself, okay, if I can learn to bring in business by networking, then I will have a better shot at partner slash not get fired. Like I was just at the time, candidly, just trying not to get fired. Yeah. So I started to learn networking, and I took these classes like Dale Carnegie networking classes, and it was it was pretty bad. I like Dale Carnegie, but not necessarily this particular course. You know, and it was like, learn their kids' names and that they play tennis and look them in the eye and have a firm handshake. And I thought, if I'm not getting a million-dollar law deal from Goldman Sachs for my law firm, is it really because I didn't look them in the eye and have a firm handshake? Or is that just like one-tenth of one percent of how you make a, a connection in a relationship? So I started learning about trust, persuasion, influence, body language, and I started studying things that like, friends of mine who went to the work at the cia were learning about body language and rapport generation and building connections overseas and things like that and i was like this is the real stuff so i started learning all of that and as i started learning that i started teaching it to other students in law school and then they had me teach this course nobody cared about networking like five women showed up and i thought okay well if it's just going to be me and these five women I'm not gonna sit in this hot room and teach this class. I'm gonna hold it at a bar and we'll go and get drinks. So I started to hold this networking class at the bar and we would break down people's body language and eventually the women would say, well, what about that couple over there? Like, can you read them? And I'd say, oh, they're not on a date. You know, this guy likes her, but she doesn't like him. And here's how I know. And they would be like, this is fascinating. So all these women started bringing more and more of their female friends to the class I was holding at the bar and then guys started to notice right they were like why got all these (laughs) women here
1: yeah who's this dude with all these women around
0: yeah and i was like oh i'm teaching networking they're like yeah cool whatever i want in so they started to show up and i was burning my i was recording my talks and burning them to cd and we would talk more about dating than about networking and i'd give the cds to the guys and i'd go okay you're new there's three hours of stuff on here from the last three sessions go listen to this and come back and and you'll be caught up well they'd come back and go hey can i get another cd why what happened to the other one?" Oh, i gave it to my roommate he's really into it okay so i started doing that and then i started charging like five bucks for the cds and then i started charging like 20 bucks for the cds and guys would come in and go i need eight what yeah my cousin my brother my younger brother my old college roommate my current roommate my buddy and i was like all right i'm not going to get rich selling 20 dollars cds where i'm talking about dating but what i can do is teach this as a course and i started taking students in and that became my original show and my original business. I started teaching guys, and well, men and women, but mostly guys, how to meet women, and it got really, really, really popular because it wasn't the sort of douchey pickup artisty stuff that was going on back then. Did you wear? Did um, you wear a fedora? Did you wear I didn't a wear a fedora kid? or Come any on. of that. On. Uh, maybe what... <laughs> once, maybe once or twice, but not as a habit. Not as a habit. Okay, <laughs> only occasionally. Uh, it was. It was the early aughts. Don't. 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 Uh, Don't give me too much grief about that. (laughs) We don't talk about the fedora. So I decided that this was really a lot of fun, obviously, but I still wanted to be a Wall Street attorney. So I moved to New York. I end up getting on Sirius XM satellite radio and I start doing my show on Sirius XM satellite radio. So I've got my radio show, my Wall Street job, and my radio show was in the evening drive on Fridays, right? So on Fridays, I'd be like, hey guys, got to take was a quick break.
1: What, what what year was this?
0: 2007, 2007. Okay. And so I would go, Hey guys, I got to take a quick break. And my office mates and the guys that I worked with a lot would be like, he's going to go do his radio show. So I'd run down to, or up to Times square from wall street. And then I'd come back down after my show and they'd be like, yeah, we're just waiting for a fax. We just ordered dinner. Do you want anything? You know, it's like 9 PM at night. We're waiting for some investment banker to send over a fax. And then eventually we started to run out of work to do because the economy started to crash, the mortgage crisis hit, and we were all in real estate finance. So we'd be sitting there killing time, and they'd go, let's listen to Jordan's show. And then a partner found out that I was doing my show at night, and I thought, now I'm definitely getting fired. Well, they didn't care, they thought it was hilarious. Thank goodness for Wall Street and them being pretty lax at that time. So I kept doing my job and I kept doing the show uh, on Sirius XM and I kept doing the podcast and I grew the podcast with some of the radio audience. I grew the radio audience with some of the podcast and we really started to just kill it and we started a coaching business and that started to take off. So as my law job started to crawl to a zero, our coaching business started to really take off and that was the, that's probably around, around when you and I started to to chat about stuff because i was essentially in the dating business and we were like the non-creepy dating guys whereas a lot of these other guys like the pickup guys they were like lie to her and tell her you have a lamborghini and that your ex is a stripper and i'm like just tell her that you're new to the city that you're working really (laughs) hard and you barely have time to date this is going to work better than the other crap like that was 2020 hindsight i bet you that the other lie through your teeth stuff worked really good in the hollywood clubs and bars It didn't work in new york where the women were like all career oriented they you know you tell them you have a lambo and your girlfriend's a stripper and they're like you're irresponsible don't talk to me so we really had a, a niche that carved out and did well and we made a lot of money doing that but you know you outgrow dating and relationship advice when you're at that time you know i'm 40 now married with a kid at the time i started to really outgrow it i was probably in my early 30s and i went how much longer are we going to be talking about this? I can't even stay up till three o'clock in the morning yep. anymore, going out six nights a week with clients like I, I can't deal with it. My liver hurts, you know, my yeah. I'm turning green. So I started to do the I started to sort of split away from that and, and turn the Jordan Harbinger show into the show. It is now where I started interviewing people that I was interested in. And that worked.
1: Yeah. But when you did the, make the make the switch. Um you didn't have the cleanest of of breaks from your your former business and it was a little bit tumultuous and by a little Mm -hmm. bit it was very you know it, it was it was a it was a bad situation and um and so one of the things that i find you know fascinating is that you know you did such a good job building yourself into the brand that when you actually did decide to go out on your own it was very quick that you you know developed your following again got you know you you skyrocketed up the you know the apple podcast charts and, and, and you found success again, um, you know, like literally it was, it was immediate. What was the hardest part about that time though, when you were, cause I remember, I probably still have text messages from, sure you from do. that time that uh, you were like, so, you know, this is kind of what's yeah. going on. And, um, and it was hard for me, honestly, because, you know, I just, I, I know how hard you worked, you know, up until this point. And then to think about you know something that you really was your baby that you did incredibly well at to think about you know i think about myself i think about you know well what would happen if if i had to start over what it would happen if you know it had to become the air marino you know youtube channel or whatever how mm. would that go do i even have it in me at this point to you know start again and try to ascend to the uh, to the to the heights again how did you handle it? What, what was the hardest dude, part about that time,
0: dude? I gotta tell you, man, everything you're saying, is, it's so funny because you can tell you run a business. Do I even have it in me? I was thinking I can't start over. I took me 11 years to build that first brand and that show and that coaching company. How am I gonna rebuild? It's gonna take me at least five years. If I can ever do it again, maybe I can never do it again. And you know, you're looking, it's like looking up at a mountain that you were at the top of before and you're going, I can't even see the peak. How the hell am I going to get back on top where I was? And then you also think I'm not going to be happy until I'm back there. And then I can start to be happy and rebuild again. This is terrible. What am I going to do? You have to get over that and realize that you're not just rebuilding what you have, but you are doing something different. And it doesn't matter if it's totally different. You know, I built the Jordan Harbinger show. It's another show. It's exactly... The same business niche. Well, it's the same type of media, right? It's a different business. I don't do the coaching anymore or anything. Mm-hmm. It's a the same similar business, so it's not that different. But you can't sit there and say, "I need to rebuild this whole thing exactly the way it was." You really have to go. Okay, I'm bringing with me what what assets am I bringing with me? This is what saved me from like wanting to like you know never get out of bed. It was what assets am I bringing with me? Okay, I have all my relationships that's priceless, right? That is priceless. You know, hundreds and hundreds of people, you have a good reputation in the industry, People know your name. They know your content is good. They know that you're an honest person. Whatever it is, whatever your reputation is, you have that going for you. That's something that can really never be taken away from you unless you get slandered or something like somebody makes a website that says you kill puppies or something and everyone believes it. You know, you'd have to have like a really negative reputation hit that now we see with cancel culture can happen. So that's terrifying, but usually doesn't happen to people who aren't involved in anything, you know, super controversial. Uh, Although, again, it depends. But for me, it was really tough. There were like two weeks where I was upset and I kind of didn't want to get out of bed and I couldn't sleep and I wasn't eating well or, or much at all. And then I started to really focus on putting one foot in front of the other. It was like, it was like I was a, a blender with the top off. We've all made a protein shake and the top flies off because you think it's gonna <laughs> fucking stay on and it doesn't stay on, <laughs> right? And it's all over the ceiling, it's all over the floor. That's how I felt. But then when I started to really focus, I was like, aha. The action here is what sort of focuses me and, and ends my suffering, right? Action ends suffering. So I can be the laser beam where I focus my energy. Like when I'm pissed off and I'm fantasizing about running my old, you know, business partners down with a U-Haul, I just go, well, that's not constructive. Why don't I sit down and email 40 potential guests for the show and get those done? And then why don't, I, or, or oh, I've got so much nervous energy, I can't sleep, okay put on an audiobook that you're going to read for the show and do the prep and go out for a walk. Yeah, it's 3 a.m. Get a flashlight, you know, wear a high vis vest. You'll be fine. You're not you don't live in Detroit anymore. You know, you'll be you'll be all right. So I focused and did a lot of things like that. And during the day when I had a lot of nervous energy or I was feeling crappy, I would call friends and solidify. I mean, I called you during that time. I texted you during that time. I was like, hey, I just want to tell you what happened. You know, it's a really crappy situation. And you were like, you probably said something really nice because you're a really nice guy. And that kind of thing made me feel better. And I realized, that's what made me realize I had all these relationships. Like your friendships, your relationships with people and your reputation in your industry, that is that is the insurance policy that money can't buy, right? You can't, You can't get people's help by purchasing. I mean, I guess you can buy their help, but like when you're down and you don't have resources and you don't have the capital that was in your business and you don't know what you're gonna do, all you really have is your reputation and your connections. So that's why I always tell people, dig the well before you get thirsty. You know, you have to build relationships before you need them because if you lose everything or lose a lot like I did, and then you have to rebuild and you realize you don't know anyone and you've neglected everything, then it's too late. Then I'm calling people going, hey, dude, remember me from 2009? And you're like, "Uh, what, who is this? Jordan, you were on my blog once. Can you help me out? You'd be like, bro, whatever. Click. But since we'd been in touch for, you know, 10 years or whatever it's been, you're like, let me know if I can support you. And I got similar offers from literally hundreds of people that I'd been in touch with over the years. And I was like, this is the power of relationships. You know, everyone says dig the well before you're thirsty. Great. Okay, I got it, Jordan. But most of us think, well, I'm never going to be thirsty. So I'm I'll do that later you have to build relationships before you need them. Because when you, don't, when, when you don't do that and then you need them, that is really when you go, oh crap, I don't know how to call and ask for help. And it feels weird. And the reason it feels weird is because you know you're not entitled to ask anybody for anything if you haven't cultivated that friendship or that network over time. So when I say like, oh, I started from nothing again, I started from zero again, but I didn't start with nothing, right? It's kind of like saying, it's the difference between going, hey, uh, my little cousin wants to start a business, he's 21, what should he do? That person is going to have a long uphill battle. But if you say, hey, my cousin wants to start a business, he's 31, and he has 10 years of experience, 10 years of relationships, and you know he knows exactly what he wants to do, more or less, that person has a major, major, major advantage, even if both of them start with $0, and they're so, trying to figure I, out where the mortgage payment is coming I, from.
1: I absolutely love that. Um, that is That is really really, really profound, honestly. And I think that that is something, you know, that everybody can pretty much resonate with or, or take with them. Uh, you do teach a course, though, it's a six minute networking, right? Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. course? Six minute networking. You know, I am also a huge fan of, of social skills, the way that I developed mine or the reason it was out of necessity. I was Um, You know, I had a few, you know, my mom was married a few different times. I was moving schools. I knew that if I didn't want to basically be the new kid, I needed to make friends. And so I learned to be a very quick study of body language of of, of people and really do a good job with connecting with people very quickly. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people don't have that skill. They'd never had a need to do that. Um, talk a little bit about some networking sort of tips and tricks. I know that in your, in your course, you give people like 12 different missions that they, you know, that they need to go out and accomplish in order to build themselves up into better networkers, better, you know, so have developing better social skills. Talk a little bit about sort of some tips that the audience can take away in terms of how to start the networking process. I I interviewed, um, I interviewed Noah Kagan.
0: Love that guy. uh, One of my good friends
1: he's a, he's a super great guy, super smart guy. But one of the things that I took away from him was that, that whole coffee challenge, right. Where you ask for 10% off, you know, at a, at a, at a coffee (laughs) shop and he does that in real
0: life. And it's so freaking embarrassing when you're you're (laughs) like, dude, did you make, what do you make? $6 million last year? Can you just pay the 20 cents?
1: (laughs) but, But it's all
0: about that fear muscle. And the more
1: you do it, the more comfortable you sort of get in there. It's true. Um, and so, so talk a little bit about, about your tips in terms of networking um, how do you how do you build better relationships? How do you get over the fear of going up, introducing yourself to somebody and starting a communication or or or, um, or a conversation with somebody?
0: Yeah, I will answer that. But I'm curious. You got me. You got me wondering since you moved around so much and you were the new guy at so many schools. Is that where the whole kind of like Aaron Marino good first impressions thing came from? And some of the oh, yeah. some of that because you're like huge on first impressions, style is an element of that, right? Well,
1: the other the other thing was being poor, throw, throw poor oh, okay. and not having money on top of that, um, you know, and having to shop for all your clothes at, at, you know, thrift stores when you're, you know, 12, 13, you know, and you just I mean, at that age, all you want is to fit in. All you yeah. want to do is to be liked. And there's so much pressure back back then. There was a lot of pressure. Now, I can't even fathom the amount of pressure that people feel. Um, you know, teens feel. I, I know how much pressure I feel at 44 years old. You know, to try and live up to some arbitrary set of expectations by other people and what social media is sort of deeming. You know, the way that we should act, the way that we should look and feel, and what we should have in order to, you know, sort of feel and and be considered successful. Um, my perception of success has changed very much since getting into um you know actually since i became successful my my <laughs> my my uh my definition of success has changed but but yeah it was simply a need for acceptance um i i didn't have a happy home life and so you combine you know abusive stepfathers with me just wanting to feel good about myself it was it was a, a it was a sort of a you know a necessary evil in order for me not to go crazy at a young age but um yeah, but yeah so yeah. that's my story
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I wondered about that because I thought, okay, for somebody who's to get really into style and fitness and social skills and first impressions, and to also be like a cool guy, like I, you know, you strike people right away as like, oh, this guy's like really cool. People who are always really cool, they don't think how do I maximize this? They never think about it, right? All the all the guys that were cool in elementary school, high school, they're not like, how do I maximize my style? They're not thinking about that at all. So I was like, what was the turning point for Aaron Marino? Something must have you know, gone on when he was younger where he became like the butterfly out of the cocoon at some point uh, because otherwise you just don't try that hard because you never had to in the past. So I knew there was something there. Um, for me, I think for... Creating relationships right now, like walking up to somebody and introducing yourself, that is a useful skill. Um, It does just take practice, and there's a lot to that. But now, especially during COVID, when a lot of people can't actually go out and do anything, and also for the people that just go, man, that sounds terrible. I don't want to go out and meet people. I don't want to go to bars and mixers and things like that. What I do, uh, one of the drills that's in six-minute networking, which, by the way, is a free course, so... People can go and take it. There's no, You don't have to enter your credit card number or anything. There's no upsell. I just do it because I teach a lot of students and companies this, and I thought, like, okay, I can just make this public. So that's at jordanharbinger.com slash course. What I do every day, I grab my phone, and I scroll all the way to the bottom of the text messages in the morning. Um, Not, like, first thing, because you don't want to get people at 6 a.m. or anything, but I scroll all the way to the bottom. And at the bottom, those are those threads that are kind of dead, right? Like, oh, I haven't texted Aaron Marino since we had lunch in San Diego in 2017. Let me see what he's up to. And I call it Connect Four because I do it with probably about three, four people every day, uh, every weekday. And I send them something that says like, hey, Aaron, you got to use their name. Because if it's like, hey, friend, people are like, delete mass text, right? You, see, you can see that with email. Hey, Aaron, what's going on? It's been a long time since we met at, and you tell them where you met so they can go like, oh, right, that guy, right? Because you don't want new phone who dis? and then you sign up with your name uh, at the end. But you could say, like, here's my update. I got a kid, he's walking around a lot, it's fun. Uh, You know, been a long time since we had lunch at Cafe Gratitude in San Diego, whatever it was, wondering how you're doing. That will re-engage a lot of people every week. You won't get 100% response rate. You might get, like, half or three-fourths response rate. That, like, imagine you text four people a day, uh, five days a week. That's 20 people, 80 people a month, right? 20 people will be 80 people a month. Let's say half respond. Great. You've got 40 people who weren't thinking about you, may never have thought about you ever again in their entire lives. Now you're top of mind. You know what they're doing. They know what you're doing. And it doesn't do a whole lot right away, but it compounds. Over time, not a day goes by where I don't get a text that says, hey, Jordan, uh, thanks for Chatting with me a couple of weeks ago. By the way, I'm walking into a meeting right now, or now I'm going into a Zoom meeting right now. We're going to pick a keynote speaker for our sales, t- our quarterly sales thing. Do you do speaking gigs? Our budget is, you know, 20,000. I just got a speaking gig because I texted somebody to see how they were doing. And the last I talked to them, they bought a tractor or something. Like, you know, I don't have any reason to reach out other than just so. So now I'm top of mind on them and often, rather than getting a speaking gig or something like that, I might say like, oh, what are you up to? Oh, I'm starting a new business. Great, what's it all about? Oh, dah, da we're looking for a web designer. I know a web designer, let me refer that person to you and they're like, wow, that's really great, thanks. So now they get a good web designer. My web designer's stoked because he got a new client and I'm able to create social capital and referral currency by introducing people inside my own network a lot of people say oh i don't know anyone important or oh i can't help anyone i'm just in college or i'm you know two years out of college what am i going to do you don't have to help people yourself by doing graphic design i don't have to design the website myself i just have to be useful enough as a node in the network to connect two people that can help one another and that makes it scalable i could make 10 introductions a day before it even takes real time out of my day if you're making 10 intros a day you have a ton of people that want to help you back because of reciprocity. You've got a ton of people that think you're great and giving and nice and generous. That's how you build referral currency and social capital over time. You don't have to go out and be a social butterfly at a the wine mixer or the country club and glad hand everybody and kiss babies. You can do it from your phone. Um, and in addition to the Connect Four drill, I've got CRMs where I, pe- I put people's names essentially in a glorified spreadsheet. And it reminds me if I haven't talked with them for, say, 90 days, something along those lines. So I'm keeping in touch with hundreds or even thousands of people, and it doesn't feel like work at all. I'm not emailing 400 people in a weekend. I'm not killing myself over any particular kind of uh, task list. I'm just doing this in time that most of us would probably waste on Instagram, right? We'd be scrolling through the feed, but instead I send those four texts. I'd be scrolling through the feed. Instead, I work in my CRM, something like that.
1: Wonderful. Okay, guys, we're going to link to everything down below. It's at jordanharbinger.com slash course. Courses, right? Slash course. Yep, jordanharbinger.com slash course. All right, so we got we got a few more minutes, Jordan. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I want to talk real quick about the guests that you have had. You've had some of the most, I mean, amazing guests. Who has been the most fascinating to you? It, could you pick one or or maybe there, there are two in different arenas or areas or for different reasons? Who has really fascinated you specifically?
0: Let's see. There's so many good ones. Um, one that I really liked was this guy. His name is Jack Barsky. He's not famous, but he was a KGB agent that came to the United States and he was pretending to be American and there were a bunch of these guys apparently he was pretending to be American and they made a TV show that's loosely based on it called The Americans which is awesome and he snuck in he got a job he got married he had a kid nobody and knew. and nobody knew and then <laughs> he eventually was like I really like it here I'm not going home so when the Soviet Union said hey you got to come home he said no nah, I'm not I'm not going to go back and he stayed and the only way the reason he got caught was he got in a fight with his wife once and somehow it came out, cause he's like, what are you doing in the back room or whatever, you know, like, oh, you keep so many secrets and you know, why don't you do this? And he's like, look, I'm,
1: KGB, bitch. I'm a KGB <laughs> agent.
0: Da, 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 da. Yeah, KGB bitch. So <laughs> the FBI happens to be listening because they have suspicions that he's a KGB agent. I guess a defector ratted him out and said, there's a guy, you know, he looks like this and he's trying to do that. And he worked in insurance and they, they found him. So they arrested him. And this guy has so many, speaking of people skills, He's such an interesting, charming dude. He works with the FBI, does whatever it is they need him to do. Now, his the godfather of his new daughter is that FBI agent, and they play golf like every week. And he lives in America, and he's an American, a real one now. And he never went back home. Yeah.
1: Who Who have you been starstruck by? Anybody? After going and meeting so many so many famous people um, or talking to them, do you do you get do you get starstruck? And and
0: if so, by who? let me think on this starstruck no not really i don't really get starstruck because not because like oh they're just another celebrity to me that you know you i definitely get nervous about interviews but it's not because it's russell brand or kobe bryant or uh some billionaire ray Dalio, whatever i get nervous because you know hold on one second my wife's trying to move a box and it's so distracting because she's trying to be quiet no, do it. Jed, just get the box out of here. <laughs> She's, like, sneaking around. It's hilarious. She's, like, doing the Catherine Zeta-Jones thing, like, trying to dodge the lasers. Um, that was going to take 15 minutes if I didn't let her just walk out of with the box. Okay. So when I do get nervous, it's never because it's Russell Brand or Kobe Bryant or something like that. I get nervous because I want the logistics to work out oh, man, the lighting's bad in here, and we didn't bring our big lights because we thought there'd be better lighting because we were supposed to be doing this outside. Uh Uh-oh, the batteries are dead. I thought these were charged. We checked them. They were charged. They were labeled charged. You know, like, that's the stuff that makes me nervous and anxious, stuff that, honestly, production people should be worried about, but when you run your own business, you know how it is. Um, So I don't get starstruck to to make me nervous, I get nervous about the logistics of something. And by the time I'm meeting Kobe Bryant or Russell Brand or, you know, who, who, Howie Mandel, I've done like 10 to 15 hours of prep because I do like 10, 20 hours of prep for each guest. So by the time I've got the director of the CIA or or Kobe Bryant or, or Jeremy Lin or whatever on the show, I've done so much prep that I'm almost I'm excited to be there. I'm interested to be there, but I know that I've earned my seat in the room and also I'm I'm kind of like in the last 2% of my job or the last 10% of mm-hmm. my job. Like yes, it's game time, but it's like an athlete playing in a in a game. You're probably you 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 go to practice so much that by the time you get to the game you're not like oh i hope i remember how to kick the ball really hard and far and accurately you know you're just doing what you've been drilled to do over and over and over again you know you're thinking in the moment and there there are days i really get into flow with it like i'll go to new york and do like three interviews a day or two interviews a day and my wife will go how was your day and i'll go what did i do today and she's like you interviewed this celebrity, this scientist, and then you went and did this. And I go, Oh, right, right, right. Because I'm like, it blur it's a blur. You know, by the time I'm out of the Russell Brandt interview at NBC or whatever, I'm like, oh yeah, we I guess we just did that. How did it go? I don't even remember one second of it. You know, like I-, I remember it, but it's almost like a dream. You know, like it's it's probably how athletes feel after a game. They they remember every play when they really want to. But the overall idea of it is that it just kind of happened and that it's over. That's at least where I'm at with it. I love.
1: That makes sense. It makes 100% sense. Um, Last question is is for entrepreneurs out there. You're an entrepreneur. Um, You've done a lot of different things. You've tried some things. What is your biggest failure? Actually, I'm gonna have two questions now because I want to talk real quick. Uh, failure, I think, is important. I think it's part yeah, of everybody's journey. Anybody successful, anybody who's successful, has had monumental failures, or at least you know some degree of of, of having to start not start over. But they've they've fucked it up. And so, <laughs> yeah. what, is, what has been what has been your would you say biggest fuck up looking back
0: in business or in like my law career? I guess there's a couple things. Like when I first started my law career. I worked at a British law firm, and they just hated me. They hated me. You know, I couldn't, I I was worried that I wasn't going to be employable, and it really made me look at alternatives like entrepreneurship. Luckily, or unluckily, I guess it was lucky, since they really hated me, I really thought I'm never going to be employable, and I went through a lot of stress with that. But it turns out that I wasn't employable in a British law firm, which is like a really stuffy work environment. And things I got in trouble for, I thought, oh, my God, I'm screwed in the working world. One thing I got in trouble for, Aaron, was uh, a partner was in the elevator on like a Friday. And he said, oh, what do you have many things planned this weekend? And I said, yeah, uh, you know, I'm going to go probably downtown and like explore London a little bit. And and I said, what about you? And he goes, oh, well, I'm going to go to my fishing cabin. And I was like, great. Monday morning, they're like, did you ask Mr. Crawford what his plans were over the weekend? And I was like, yeah, he asked me first. And they're like, that man has worked very hard to get where he is. And I'm like, so we can't treat him like a human being. And they were like, yeah, you're not supposed to engage him. He's being friendly. You don't get to talk with him informally. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so screwed in the working world if people are really like this. I had no idea. Then of course I get to Wall Street and I'm working with a bunch of like local Brooklyn Italian guys and they're like, "Hey, Jordan, get over here. The fucking pizza's getting cold. What's wrong with you? Get in here." And I'm like, "This is more like it. Okay, I can handle this. You know yep, yep. that that's more like it." So, that, but it was kind of too late for me. I was just already like I, I had one foot out the door and, and was like, "I need to find something that I can do because I, if I'm getting in trouble for small talk in the elevator, I'm I'm so screwed, man." Yeah, I'm yeah, screwed. Yeah. And then, yeah. what about
1: what about outside of 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 the law? of career? Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, failure, failure. Oh man, it's it. I've had some smaller failures. One of which was just like some kind of bungle. I I've been in North Korea a few times, right? And I started a travel company that takes Westerners to North Korea, and it was a pain to set up. But we got it going. We had a travel partner in China that was run by Brits. We brought a bunch of people on tours. We had a lot of fun doing it. And then like one year in, it became illegal to travel to North Korea. Maybe it was two years in. And we were like, oh. Uh, And (laughs) the Treasury Department was like, hey, all that money you got in there, we're gonna have to hold on to that for a while because probably there's some sanctions violations. Luckily, we had just withdrawn a bunch of the money and we like lost a couple thousand dollars, but you never get your money back when it gets seized by treasury. You have to go to court and get it back. And what are we gonna do? Be like, no, at the time it was legal for us to send money. We're not sending it to North Korea, we're sending people to North Korea, and we're just like, we're not gonna win this. We're gonna spend a hundred grand litigating it. We're gonna get thirteen thousand dollars back. No, we're you know, trafficking. like trafficking,
1: we're trafficking people. Uh, yes, so, we're right, trafficking that... people. <laughs> Last question. I mean tourists. That... Best business piece of advice for aspiring entrepreneurs out there that are looking to to basically do their own business or do their own thing. What would you give them?
0: I, again, I'm going to say, dig the well before you get thirsty. What a lot of entrepreneurs do is they they do this. They go, well, all right, I've got this. I got to build a website i got to build my lead gen channel so i'm doing the youtube thing like aaron marino or i'm doing the podcast thing like jordan harbinger then i got to do social media and then i've got to like get my product line together and then i want to expand into hair care from skincare, whatever it is that, but so that you got a hundred things to do right 99 of them you kind of know how to do it you don't necessarily know but you kind of know and then one networking and relationship development you don't really necessarily know because you're not doing six minute networking and you don't have a plan And then you think, well, I do a lot of this naturally, which you don't. You don't have systems. Anybody who has systems is going to beat you, right? And you just think you're doing it naturally. It's not true. It's like fitness. If I just go to the gym and I just do whatever I feel like, "Ah, I'm going to do bench today. Ah, I guess I'll do some pull-ups. Somebody who has a workout plan is going to do a million. Their results are going to be... 10x, minimum 10x what I'm getting, just wandering around. That's the same thing with relationship building. So the problem is when we have 100 things to do and 99 of them are interesting and they're social media and we have a plan and we can kind of do it and we know what we're doing, we deprioritize the stuff we don't know about as much. So we deprioritize digging the well before you get thirsty or building relationships. And what happens is since it's a black box, we just never do it. And then you run into this thing where you're like, I'm going to launch my, my line now. I'm going to launch this. And you go, who do I reach out to? And you reach out to 50 people and they're like, who are you again? Why would I help, oh hey man, no, why would I help you? I have my own thing going, you've never helped me. I reached out to you three months ago, you never replied. Oh, I was busy, okay, well I'm busy now. You know, you're gonna find that and you go, oh crap, I didn't dig the well. So don't deprioritize networking. Don't say you'll do that when you have your prototype, when you have your website, when you've got your business cards. That's backwards. You build your relationships before everything. You start that process now because you can't make up for lost time. It's impossible. There's no way to become a close and trusted source of somebody over three days. You can't get closer to somebody in three days than you could in three years. It's not possible, right? So you have to start early and you have to do it with everyone because once you need these relationships, if they're not in place, I mean, think about this. Who'd you rather trust? Somebody who calls you out of the blue and says like, "Hey, I need help with something," or somebody that you've known for 3 years even though you've talked to them once every 6 months on text? You're going to pick the person who you've talked to before because you know that their agenda initially wasn't just to butter you up. If I start calling people and I'm talking to them and they haven't heard from me in 8 years, what are they thinking? Okay, they're thinking Herbalife or Scientology. What are you trying to sell me? When's, know, the ask. To... when's the
1: when's right. the ask?
0: When's yep. the other shoe going to drop? But if I ask you for a favor and I've been talking to you every six, eight months for three years, you're not going to go, aha, you've been buttering me up since 2015 just so I'll help you with your book launch, you bastard. That's an unreasonable thing. That's an unreasonable conclusion. So dig the well before you get thirsty. Don't deprioritize it. Build those relationships now before you need them, and then they'll be there for you when you do. Jordan, where can people find you? Sure. The Jordan Harbinger Show. It's a podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. There's some on YouTube, not all, um, but I'd love it if people checked out the Jordan Harbinger Show. The course is at jordanharbinger.com slash course, and I'm at Jordan Harbinger on Twitter, Instagram, and I answer all my DMs so people can just hit me up.
1: And Jordan, this was amazing. I really enjoyed hearing hearing your story and and the amount of value and just just insight is is remarkable, and uh, once again, I just appreciate you sliding into my DMs or my texts. For sure, you know, and and continuing to you know cultivate this relationship i mean because literally what you're saying is exactly sort of how we have have remained you know friends over the years and mm-hmm. and it's funny because even though i had never physically met you you know i'd do anything for you in terms have of, we know,
0: not ever met
1: we've never met no what? and so yeah i don't even know so,
0: that's crazy
1: it is crazy wow and so no but i mean but that's just the power you know to a testament to what you're saying is that you know when when we first connected, it wasn't because you needed anything, it wasn't because you wanted anything. It was mm-hmm. it was simply to connect, and and over the years, it's just been really exciting to watch you grow. Um, I'm really really impressed of of at how you have have. Uh, basically come out the other side of, of a bad situation mm-hmm. and are not only at the top of that mountain, but you're summiting another. So congratulations, yeah. sir. And thank you so much for everything and the b- value that you bring to the world. And, and really, I mean, you've made me think in this this interview, and, and I'm just um, happy that your mission has landed squarely in my head. And so thank you so much for everything, Jordan.
0: You got it, man. Hey, thank you very much. Always good to see you. Good to hear from you. And uh, I can't believe we haven't met. I'm trying yeah. to think, wait, wait, that can't be true.
1: <laughs> it's true. It's true. But Unbelievable. I know, it's so crazy. Well, listen, man, everybody, we're going to link to everything down below. Continued success, sir. And I'll expect a text in about four months.
0: You know it. <laughs> <laughs> see you, Jordan. Bye-bye. Thanks.
1: Gentlemen, thank you for listening to this episode. As always, I appreciate your support. Once again, if you found this episode or any of the content I've put out in the past helpful, please leave a rating and review on the platform you're listening to this on. Once again, every week, we're going to read out and feature a few of my personal favorite reviews. And if you're looking to upgrade your sunglass game, don't forget to check out enemy.com. Honestly, the quality of these glasses for the price is insane. Just read the reviews. Gentlemen, stay awesome.